pray this morning, God, we need that help in this place this morning. Help us to understand your word and your truth this morning. These loud calls and dreams and wisdom and truth and the word from you this morning, Lord. Just give us the hearts and minds, Lord, that are focused on you and your word. Lord, let us never forget your goodness, your grace to us. Lord, let us never forget our need for you, for your truth. So, Lord, we welcome your spirit in this place this morning. Speak to our hearts this morning. Change who we are this morning. Make us more like you this morning.
that somewhat.
right? Especially if it's got the two bones, big, okay? So, can a camel go through the eye of a needle? No, that is impossible. Now, there's some people still go, well, back in that day in Jerusalem, there was a gated archway, there was an entrance into the city, and that entrance was called the eye of the needle. And camels could get through, but they had to get real low and they had to squeeze through. That is not Jesus' point, that if you're a rich man and you get low and you squeeze a little bit, you can get through. Right? Jesus' point is that wealth makes it impossible to enter the kingdom. And we're wealthy. Here's the reason wealth makes it hard. Three things. First of all, it damages our ability to depend on God. What do you need in your life in the next few days that you absolutely will not have if God doesn't have to you? I mean, all of us have basically everything we need. We have food in our pantry, food in our fridge, food in our freezer. If we run out of food, there are about 25 restaurants between here and there. We're okay. Publix is open like every day. Kroger, 24 hours sometimes. Walmart, then get it. Maybe it's convenient to you know, get out of the house and go get it when we can get it. It makes us hard to depend on God. And this is a new thing. I mean, just a couple of generations ago, people were still depending on God for everything. They didn't know where it was coming from. Farmers out in the field praying that when it didn't rain for a while, it just was man, I wish it would rain. It's so hot and dry. Like, my life is at stake here. Our livelihood is at stake if you don't send rain, God. Wealth makes it harder to defend because we think we can handle it ourselves. The second thing is wealth makes it harder for us to make good choices when it comes to priorities. The more money you have, the more things you buy. You ever notice that? You ever notice that? The more money you have, the more things you buy. And when you buy things, guess what you want to do with those things? Use them. So for instance, your family gives this opportunity. You had you want to give your kids opportunities that you didn't have. And so their opportunities come up and, and you can take trips and you can go on vacations and you can go here. Well, absolutely we're gonna take them. We're gonna we want to experience everything. We bought a boat last week. That means we gotta use it, we gotta justify having it, so we gotta go out on the lake in like 14 weekends out of the summer. We're gonna be at the lake because we gotta use the boat. You got an eight-year-old that likes to play baseball, so you put him in the league where they travel 48 weeks out of the year. That's an exaggeration. It's only 42. All right. And there's a chance that one day he might be so good that he could actually play high school ball. So we got to do this. And the things that you use your money on start making the priority decisions. Jesus said this. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. You ever notice that when you buy something, you care about what happens to it? Right? I am convinced, and I've said this before, I care more about my son's toys than they do. <laughs> Amen, parents? Those little wee games that we give for $50, and are scratched within two weeks because they just take them out, throw them on the floor, you know, let them go. Ooh, oh, we, we just stuck it in between the uh, where the Wii is and the DVD play. That we're just going to hide it there. That's why it has scratches all over, right? If I was, if I was out there, they'd be like, you know, in bubble wrap, like inside the toy. Where your treasure is, your heart goes. When you buy that extra opportunity stuff that you never imagined you'd be able to have, and you have it, you got to use it. you got to do something with it. Wealth also comes with greater responsibility. In other words, 
do much is given, much is required. Now we've changed that in our culture. Much is given, much is expected. Required makes it a little more forceful. In fact, some translations take that word and say more is demanded. So here's what we're going to do today. Just talk about a weird way of living when it comes to money. We're not going to go through how to handle your money. That, that's a lot longer session. There are a lot of guys out there better equipped to do it than me. I, I can tell you the basic premise of it is this. Give to God what is God, and then spend less than you make. Alright? If, if you want life-altering financial news, there it is. But I want to talk specifically about a passage in Scripture from the book of Malachi. Alright? If you don't know where Malachi is, find Matthew and go to the book before. Alright? It looks like he's, he's uh, at the end of the Old Testament, because he's at the end of the Old Testament right before the New Testament, and there are 400 years between him and the New Testament. In Malachi chapter 3, there's this interesting passage. Because here's what I want to talk to you about being weird about. It's not even how to handle your money, although God calls us to be weird in that compared to the world. But specifically in how and when and the frequency with which we give. Our generosity. Chapter 3 of the book of Malachi, starting in verse 7, it says, Since the days of your fathers, you have turned from my statutes. You have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Let me give you a little background of where we are here in the book of, of Malachi. Uh, we are at the end of what we know as Old Testament history. The Israelites, God's people, have followed him, not followed him, followed him, not followed him. And then that kind of was more, not follow, not follow, not follow, not follow. God judges severely, follow, not follow, not follow, not follow. Extended periods of time. They get taken into captivity. At the end, God rescues them from captivity, brings them back to their land. And yet they get back to their land and they don't build the temple. And they don't go back to the law. They don't do the things God called them to do. And it gets to the point where that stuff is starting to happen. And God says, listen. The reason that you're still in the state you're in is you haven't returned to me. You've returned to the land, but you haven't returned to me. And they say, how do we return? So the prophet, he says, you need to return to me. He says, okay, then tell me, how do we do it? I think it's interesting where he goes. Verse 8. Will a man rob God, yet you are robbing me? What do you mean, God? You're talking about us returning, but... What do you mean, robbing God? And then he says, how do we rob you? By not making the payments of the tenth and the contributions, you are suffering under a curse. Yet you, the whole nation, are still robbing me. Bring the full ten percent into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this place, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. He says, listen, I want you to understand that the way that you're robbing me is you are not doing what I've asked you to do. And all I've asked you to do is to return a tenth of what you have to me because it came to me in the first place. I think about this the other day because Maddie uh, loves spicy Dorito nachos. You know what I'm talking about? You, there's a, you know those bags of chips you get? And they always throw a couple of flavors in there that nobody likes, so you have to choose which one. And my boys like the sour cream and onion and the Cheetos, and in that comes chili cheese Fritos. Not even like regular Fritos. Chili cheese Fritos and spicy nachos Fritos. Some of you know what spicy nachos are. Maybe you've had them. They like burnt your mouth up, right? And so Maddie loves those things. Maddie's, Maddie's ours that she'll get like hot dip and just eat a bunch of it. So I think I need a drink. Like it doesn't face her. And so she says, Daddy, I need some chips. And so I got her out her spicy nachos and I opened the bag and just inadvertently, before I handed it to her, I took a chip. Put it in my mouth and started to eat and she had a breakdown. <laughs> Daddy, don't you eat my chips! Those are my chips. Now, I know y'all think she is a perfect angel. <laughs> if you just thought about the irony of the situation, right? Who bought the chips? Maddie didn't buy the chips. I can tell you that for sure. 
chips, right? The reality is, if I wanted the chips, I could eat all the chips. It's not just a matter of who bought them. She is a three-year-old girl. And she can cry all she wanted to, but I can eat the chips, right? God said, all I asked people was a chip. You are yelling and screaming and not doing it. Here's what, let me just tell you something I observed. I, I heard this from another pastor recently, and it, it just kind of sank in. It's so true. It reminded me even this week, though. What God calls us to is systematic, every paycheck, every week kind of giving. But as Americans, we don't like that. We like to give to a specific need at a specific time, when it arises, and then we can feel like we've done something. It's really the difference between giving to me a contemporary, at-the-moment need, and systematic giving. Or as uh, Pastor Andy Stanley puts it, it's the difference between intervention giving and prevention giving. It's been a rough week, hasn't it? I mean, Boston and West Texas, China, Snow, floods everywhere. It's been a rough week. And I was reminded again of the generosity of the American people, and including those of us that are believers, when this Boston thing hit, they were trying to give money every which direction. In fact, so many people wanted to give so much money that people were setting up fake accounts and making tons of money on fraud, which is just horrid. But it showed the Americans, like, I want to give, I want to do something. I got an email, you know, I got an email that, or uh, actually I saw it on Twitter, where the hospital where some of the kids were taken needed some things, and they put a wish list up on Amazon, and people were buying that stuff right away. They announced the One Boston Fund, and it is already seeing record donations happening. It's not just if it happened in America, when the tsunami hit, record stuff, when Katrina hit, record stuff, when uh, the earthquakes over in Turkey, record kind of giving. People like to give to a momentary intervention kind of thing. This is not just natural disasters. It's crisis pregnancy centers. We're trying to help young girls that have found themselves pregnant and they don't know where to turn or what to do. And they'll have somebody come up and stand and give you a testimony about what would happen if you could give. And you'll give. Or you'll turn on the TV and there'll be that commercial with Sarah McLaughlin singing and dog pictures. Cash, you know what I'm talking about? You know, and, and give money because we to the Humane Society because we're helping all these terrible little puppies and kitties that need homes and people get their wallets out and they die. Uh, research has shown that emotional advertising about specific ways to help people makes people give more freely. We, we do that here at the church. And I'm not, I'm not saying it's bad. We, we do it. In a month, actually, in the month of May, we're going to ask you to buy shoes for kids in Brazil. And we'll probably show you some pictures of kids in Brazil. And we'll put up a way that you can feel like you're doing that. We're going to say, we need 300 pairs of shoes for the kids in Brazil. We'd love for you to be a part of that for $15. See, I'm already doing it, right? For $15, you can do that. And these kids that have never had shoes before, you put a, we'll be putting on their kids. You'll be buying the first pair of shoes a kid has ever had in their life. Go ahead and get your checkbooks out and start writing. We like that emotional, immediate kind of thing. But God calls us to be a little weird in the way we do. He calls us to bring the tithe into the storehouse. What's the tithe? 10%, right? What scripture teaches. Some of you hear 10% isn't even something you could consider right now. So don't consider it at the moment. Start with whatever you can set aside on the first of the month. In fact, it says in the Malachi, you bring in, the idea is you bring in the first thing, first thing you do, the first piece of pie you cut is that. He says it's a storehouse. What is the storehouse? For some reason I was going, I've always thought of a silo. You know, you know what a silo is, right? I know y'all are city folks, but you know what a silo is. Is that what it's talking about here? What's the storehouse? 
In this case, we think of school as we think of barn or silo. In this case, it's the house of the Lord. The church. Here's why. Because preventative giving is not emotional or obedient, but it's superior to the other. Let me ask you a question. Would you rather have your cancer cured or never get cancer in the first place? That's not a trick question. You can answer it. No, you don't want it, right? What's the old saying? You know the old, line, the old, old saying my great, great grandmother Mom Bush used to always say, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, right? I think we give to places like crisis pregnancy centers because... They help women that are in trouble and in need. But wouldn't it be better to prevent it on the front end? The Boston stuff, wouldn't it have been better if we could have somehow prevented what happened instead of dealing with it afterwards? But here's the issue. Preventative is hard work, and we don't follow it in anything else in life. Doctor says, eat the right foods, exercise five times, a week to 30 minutes a day, you'll be all right. And we go in after we have not eaten the right food and we've exercised five times in the last 10 years for five minutes a day. Well, Doc, what's wrong? You got a pill or something I can take? Our finances, we spend it, we spend it, we spend it, we spend it. We hang out there on the edge and then the economy talks, whoa, I didn't know that was going to happen and now I'm so just follow biblical principles on the way, you'd be okay. A marriage, you try to talk to two people getting married, and you say, listen, marriage is going to be hard. Here's a book I don't need. I look, everything's good. And then we have children, so you guys are like, I've got a dad, I can be a dad. I watched my mom and dad, they were married, I can do that. Can't be that tough, I love her. And then five years later, we got to do something. <laughs> this ain't working. So they go to the council and they say, can you like fix this up in like you know, two, three sessions? Can we fix that? Come on. Three sessions are done. Well, this didn't work. We got we to get a divorce. Two years later, we start all over. I love her. Here's the thing. You're taking the same you into that relationship. You are the common denominator there. Where if you would have learned some things on the front and prevented it, it would have helped. What God says is, you ought to be regularly contributing today in our understanding to a vibrant church that is working and helping to grow people into the followers of Jesus Christ that will prevent some of this other stuff that's going on. That's weird. Because you don't see results immediately. And yes, some of the things you give, like in an offering, go to buy like pens and chairs. It's not the things we, you know, nobody's going to put a, a picture of a pen on the screen and go, don't you want to buy this? <laughs> but those are necessary. This church has been around for over 100 years. And for over 100 years, faithfully people have been giving to it so that they can do preventative ministry. And we don't know how many things have been reverted because this church is here. And the truth is, we don't have any clue what's going to be averted in the future because of what this church is doing. But it requires you and me being weird in the way that we give. Jesus said that your heart follows wherever your treasure is. He was also pointing out something that's pretty significant for us to understand. And that is that our heart in time, which we talked about last week, in giving, tells us more about our relationship with the Lord than almost any two other things can. In fact, Jesus talked about money more than he talked about heaven. Or hell. We're going to talk about salvation because he realized the grip that he can have on our lives. 
So here's the question. Are you going to be normal with the stress and anxiety and the fear and the doling out piece of the pie and whoever comes along and the bills that come in? Are you going to be proactive? And setting aside what God has called and living on less than the maximum. Let's pray. standing up here at the front. As the Lord's speaking to your heart, I'd love to talk with you. Perhaps you're here. Because we're talking about money today. God's calling you has nothing to do with money. Perhaps you're here. You need to, for the first time, publicly tell people that you have become a follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe like Ryan did today. Today you need to say, I need to be baptized. I need to follow with what what you do in order to show people that you are a follower of Jesus, and I need to do that. Maybe you're here and you've been busy for a while, and you think this is the church I want to be a part of, and this is the time to do it. I'm, I just I can put it off, but now's the time. I want to be involved in this church, and time and effort and giving and contributing to the mission that this place has. Maybe you're here and money is an issue for you. Kind of like last week when we talked about time, that the issue isn't necessarily we need a bunch more time. We just use the time we have more wisely. The truth is, in most of our lives, we don't need a ton more money. We just need to use the money we have more wisely. So this morning, I'm just going to ask you Heavenly Father, we are here today because you love us and because we believe we have a task in this place to give you glory and honor and to live according to your word. And Lord, I pray that in this delicate understanding of money, that we would be cheerful in our ability to be able to give and to support. Lord, that we will become people that allow your resources to flow through us to our community and to our nation and to the world for the extension of your kingdom and the glory of your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to stand. We're going to sing the Lord will you come. We stand for singing.
again. We'd love to have you back. We want you there. Uh, it's going to be a great night. We're going to spend some time fellowshipping together. So we're going to recognize some people who are doing some great work for the Lord in our community. We're going to introduce you to some people and uh, also spend some time talking about some very important matters for us in the church moving forward. Um, we have a recommendation coming tonight from three of our groups, the trustees, the building and grounds, and our finance, about three of the properties we own. We own some property out on Tenon Road, a lot of acres. We're going to talk about that. And then some property at the back end of the lot by, straight behind you. We're going to talk about that tonight. Talk about those and vote on some stuff there. So we want you there for that. If you're a member, if you're a guest, you just like to come and see how we operate, no. All right? If you're a member, we really need you there to talk through those things. All right? So I hope you'll be there tonight. If you're a guest, I'd love to see you. I'd love to shake your hand. I know we're glad that you're here. I'll be out back in the middle. I'd love to just say hello to you. Thank you. 